tired. So tired. Overtired. Hello, and welcome to two very special episodes of Overtired. I am here as a, this is Brett Sharpster. Hi, hi, hi. Um, oh, hey. Hey. Um, so I am here with Jeff Severns Gunsel and Christina Warren, and we are going to do two episodes where each of us takes a turn asking a kind of, we'll say, creative, open ended interview question. Uh, and the other two then answer. And I, I assume we'll end up answering our own question too, because someone will say, well, yeah, but what about you? What do you think? Um, so we are going to forego the mental health corner this week. I feel like our answers will probably give you a good insight into our mental health (laughs) now Um, and, and past. And we have, we have some questions about apps and technologies that I think will satisfy the need for a gratitude segment. Uh, so without further ado, let's, uh, let's get into the, the Q and a time I should before. Okay. No, let's warm up. (laughs) Let's warm up a little. Let's warm up a little. How are you? Do some stretches or something? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, some jumping jacks, calisthenics, I think they call it. <laughs> some verbal calisthenics. Um, I'm good. I, I took my son to a college tour yesterday. Um, as somebody who did not go to college, that was super novel. It's the second time I've done that. Um, we'll do more. And uh, it was fun. It was fun. Cool. You know, one of those things that makes you feel old, but in a good way. <laughs> so. How are you, Christina? Well, I'm tired. Um, although I'm like going to be completely awake and and happy to do this, I um, I had like two hours of sleep, and then I had a really weird like lucid dream where I thought that we were recording a little bit later than we were. Um, but I also watched that uh that Murdoch family uh murders uh, uh Netflix series because of the the Alec Murdoch trial that uh, ended this week, which. Uh, I like belatedly kind of became obsessed with. And um, so I had weird like intermingling dreams about some of that stuff, but I'm fine. Were there murders in your dream about this podcast? There were not, unfortunately. Okay. Unfortunately, I, I I did not. Yeah, kill. could have been I did interesting. Not dream of kill- I mean, that would have been interesting <laughs> for, for for our our conversation if I was like, yeah, I dreamed of killing both of you, but no, I didn't actually. It was strictly like- a lucid admin dream. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was strictly. <laughs> this is. I was going to say my lucid dreams are like the most boring things ever. Whereas, like, I look at my phone and I'm texting <laughs> with people, and I'm like, oh, I have 30 more minutes to sleep. Like, that's literally like. <laughs> <laughs> You dream about waking up and going back to bed. All right. Basically. <laughs> That's awesome. Quick question before we roll. I have noticed that Gen Xers love the F-bomb. And I think my my theory is that Gen Xers love the F-bomb more than the surrounding generations. Um, not elder millennials. Elder millennials still love the F-bomb. But you talk to younger millennials and you talk to Gen Z. I like ones that are old enough to comfortably swear. Um, and and it fe- like I drop the F-bomb and it feels uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable with certain types of boomer and silent generation people. There are always exceptions. There are always people who, you know, swear a lot. Sure. There have been age as old as time swearing is. <laughs> but there's something like a Gen Xer will just F this and F that and fuck you, you fucking fuck. 
And like, I feel like we grew up on Tarantino and it just, what do you guys think? I think you're totally wrong. I think that like boomer <laughs> no, I think I think I think the boomers like might have more of an aversion to it and and I think that you can credit Gen X with maybe like uh, the Tarantinos and whatnot of of popularizing some of it. Although you could make the same argument that fucking Scorsese like honestly, you know, really led to that and and he's a boomer. But I if you listen to popular music and and everything else, it, like especially hip hop music which has been the like defining force in culture for the last 25 30 years it's definitely not gen x uh especially not the hip-hop that's out now like none of it is um they drop that bomb all the time like tv shows now like especially now we're in an era where but i'm, but I'm no, not but talking you can about say, media though i'm talking about it, conversations but I'm ta- with but I'm other about people. people yeah but i'm talking about people too like because it's in the media and the media at this point the people who are creating it making it are not gen xers um they're not so it's like no i i, I don't i don't okay. think so like so you I, think it's all in my head i think that people might you might be noticing people's reaction to you saying words but i don't it, think it has anything to do it, with with the, the i am like to make it a generational thing is a broad characterization um and and i know this very much relies on anecdotal evidence um i'm just i'm computing I'm computing all the conversations I've had in the last year and realizing I swear a lot. And obviously they're like, I can't swear on my parents, um, right. but I don't, I don't ascribe that to their entire generation. Um, you know, boomers do say the F-bomb a lot. I mean, it's a, been a rhetorical friend to humanity yeah. for quite some time. I, yeah. I have a very specific memory from second grade. I was walking home. I was a latchkey kid, and I was walking home from school with my buddy. And I said, "You know, I'm going to try to stop swearing so much." You know. <laughs> I remember in I was in would have been I think the equivalent of third grade, and uh, I was getting picked on by a bully, and I called him an effing a hole. And for me, that was like, I can't believe I just said that. I felt so guilty. Um, (laughs) And then he made fun of me because I couldn't actually swear. Um, Which is fair, honestly. That didn't help with the bullying at all. But No, that made it worse, I bet, because he's like, you fucking nerd. You can't even say fuck. (laughs) What the fuck? You freaking loser. You fucking loser. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that didn't help. I didn't say, so I, my sister taught me the curse words and I didn't curse a lot until Mm. probably middle school. And I never stopped, but I did like, but I also didn't take like the Lord's name in vain until I was like 11 or 12. Yeah. And then I started saying God all the time <laughs> and feeling bad about it. But then it slowly became desensitized. And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. We were not allowed to say, oh my God. We had no, to say, same. oh my gosh. Oh, same. Which, which, which then and we like, we couldn't I... even say geez. We couldn't say, oh geez. Cause that was too close to Jesus. <laughs> I remember taunting, taunting my teacher in like fifth grade. I would just go, fuck, without this, okay? <laughs> She'd be like, stop it. I'm like, I didn't swear. I just said, fuck. And I'd be like, shit. My, stop it. My, my girlfriend's sister has um, a daughter who she was trying to get out of the habit of saying, oh, my God. And I don't think it was for religious reasons. It was just because she said it so much. Just like always, oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, but she says she has a little bit of a speech thing. And she says, oh, my God. Oh my god. Oh my god. And so oh my god. 
as as her like kind of uh negotiation with this she would go oh my god shh (laughs) (laughs) just a little bit off to the side yeah just to please the people in the back (laughs) (laughs) all right um so jeff do you want to kick us off with uh an interview question oh yeah okay i'm really excited about this i also like that we shared them with each other in advance actually um it, it helps okay so i here's a question this is let's start with a tech question okay okay if you could experience and christina you start if you could experience any tech for the first time again why again Okay, so are we talking about tech that I've experienced or tech that like maybe predated me or something like what? that it, I would say it, it's in your lifetime. It's something that you did yourself experience for the first time, but maybe you were a lot younger or maybe you just didn't get it at that point or whatever. Okay. Or you just, it was such a nice experience. You'd like to go back to it. Okay, so I think that for me, it's probably a cross between like the internet. Mm. or video games. Um, what's interesting to me about the internet, and that's, I think, going to, video games I loved, and I loved them from the minute I ever saw them, but I saw them so early that it's hard for me to experience like what my first experience with it was, right? Because I basically yeah. had a Nintendo from the time I was born, basically. So it, 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 it's hard for me to like put that into a context of where we didn't have it. Um, whereas the internet, like the World Wide Web, I read about before I ever used. Mm. I read about it in a magazine. Sure. And, PC, and I, PC World. Um, for me, it was actually weirdly, it was Nintendo Power. Okay. It was uh, awesome. it, because they were awesome. talking about the X uh, link or X browse. It was, it was uh, I'll, 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 I'll find it, but it was basically a cartridge that would connect you to the World Wide Web. And um, for, for the Super Nintendo, sorry, not the Nintendo 64, for the Super Nintendo. And um, it was, uh, um, uh, x-band there we go and a it was browser it, it, on a cartridge it was it was a, it was a modem is what it was oh, and wow. and it, it it was called x-band it was for the genesis and the super nintendo and it was a modem that would let you connect to a not the full World Wide web because not this was 1994 when it was Every, released everything was corralled by like aol and CompuServe with I, that exactly. and prodigy I, I, I was gonna say it was basically an internet, it was basically like a what were those called? Uh, uh, um, they weren't internet service providers. They were like an online um, uh, service or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it's basically yeah. like an online service and kind of like a prodigy. I think prodigy might have even um, run um, their um, their system. And then the idea too was that you could potentially play um, like uh, online games with people, and which which in that way was sort of similar to the Sega Channel, which used cable. So that was better to, to kind of stream games, but this was this was an actual modem. But I used remember, cable like a like what do you mean cable? I mean like like cable television. Cable television, got it. So that's why it was called the Sega Channel because it was a, a system where you would have a special cartridge that connected to cable oh. TV, and then you could basically um, stream um, games. Um, because no you had access to the whole library. I, neither did I. Yeah. Did you have any of those things? Um, I had friends who had um, a, a cable uh, Sega channel. Um, and I, so I played that like in, in fourth or fifth grade. And you could rent the X band from Blockbuster, but it was expensive. Oh. So, but, 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 but I, but I rented it. Was, it was like 15 cents an hour or, or, or I don't remember how much it was. It was like $3 an hour or something. I don't remember how much it was, but it was expensive, but you could rent it. Oh, no. So here's what it was it was available at Blockbuster Video for $20. 
equivalent of $40 in 2021 with additional charges based on usage. And one had a monthly fee of $5 and allowed the user to connect the service up to 50 times per month with each additional connection costing 15 cents. And the other had a monthly <laughs> fee of $10 for unlimited connections. And I did rent it once, I think. But I might be inventing that in my head. But regardless, I read about, this was the first time I'd ever read about like AOL or any of these things. And I'd used Usenet, but I, that didn't really click with me. I didn't really know what I was doing. Sure. And and this was like a graphical thing. And it was describing all the stuff that you could do. And my mind just like, the possibilities just unfolded before me. And so when I finally used the internet, like, and then the World Wide Web for the first time, like a year later, like again, like. I saw everything that we're doing now. Yeah. I didn't know exactly how advanced it would be. And I had no idea how far it would go, but like I got it. I instantly got it. And, and it was my first love and, and it remains my, my, my biggest love. And, and so if I could go back and experience anything again, it would be like the World Wide web. Like that would be it. Because of the feelings it caused in you, yeah. like the amazement and the, Yeah. The amazement, and, and, and not only that, but like I instantly understood. I was like, this is going to change everything. Like I, I, I just knew. I was like the idea of, I was like, oh, you can look things up. You can create things. You can link to other things. You can have images. You can, you know, um, uh, have it as a way to tell your own stories and do your own stuff. Like it just instantly made sense to me. I was like, oh, this is going to change everything. Like I I, uh, I went to the library and I rented, uh, checked out two books, one on, on modems and one on the stock market. And the librarian was such an idiot. She was like, but not together, right? Because those things would never go together. And I'm like, <laughs> at that, and, at, and at that point, they already had yeah. for, for, for decades, you know, since the 80s. But not this, together, right? But not together, right? And it was like <laughs> like a year later, like the whole thing was intertwined and you had um, – uh, uh, what's the um, E-Trade and, and all of those, which, you know, became like yeah. this massive thing. So it was really, it's so funny that she was like, oh, but not together, not moving know, she's like, I together. Clearly global finance would not intermingle with this. <laughs> right. And, 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 and I was like, no, separate. But then when I was, I was reading about them, I was like, oh no, obviously these are going to be, I mean, you know, I realized yeah. the high finance had already had been, but I was like, oh, obviously individual trades are going to happen this way. And they did like almost immediately. So, I, I, I would re-experience uh, the World Wide Web because A, the feeling, like you said, but B, like I just, it's one of the few times in my life where I've seen something, I even got a glimpse of it, even reading about it. And I was like, oh yeah, no, this is the future. This changes everything. This makes complete sense. And this is exactly what we will all be doing for the rest yeah. of our lives. Yeah. That's so cool. Do you, I know this is still inside of the question. Sorry, but I have to know um, if you all remember the very first act you did on the internet like do you remember when you logged on and you were like this is the internet or, did, or was it something like more like you're in college and there's emails like, I think, yeah like, that no I, I think email was the first thing i did same i had a juno account yeah i had a juno account yeah with hands yeah duck duck I mean. um i uh i made and I was with my brother the first time I went on the internet and we did film it. But unfortunately my brother and I, when we're together, our collective IQ and our general emotional intelligence just tanks. And, and you can imagine some of the decisions we may have tried to make once we were finally on this thing where you can see anything. Um, and uh, so that's that. With just, with just 20 minute time investment, you can download a single JPEG of a nude woman. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, I think it's coming in. I think it's coming in. 
Exactly. <laughs> like, like printing it on a dot matrix printer. Um, oh, yeah. So is, do I, is it my yeah. turn? You do it out. Yes, yeah. your turn. Um, so mine's actually very similar, just goes back a little farther. Um, the first time I logged and and this, so there's two equivalent experiences for me. One is the first time I logged into FidoNet, or no, not FidoNet, um, uh, Gopher from an AS400 and, uh, and just started uh, flipping through the equivalent of library stacks worth of information and realizing like what I had at my fingertips. That was literally an intoxicating experience. And the other equivalent experience would have been the first time I logged onto a BBS mm. and, mm. and felt like I was part of a community. Like I had been using computers for 10 years before that. Right. Um, and, and me and my friends would get together and we, we would hack and write code. Uh, but it was, it was this small group of friends and suddenly I'm on a BBS that has maybe 500 users and, and I'm communicating not simultaneously, everything's async, but I'm communicating with 500 people and we are sharing interests and likes and, and text-based role-playing games and, and uh, sure porn, but like it was, it was communal and that sense of community combined with the what felt like limitless information uh like you could find anything you wanted to uh that first time you feel that and i don't know what it's like for a kid today who literally like as soon as they're old enough to hold an ipad they have access to all of this i don't know if they get that same like oh my god everything's here um as we did when it first became available but that and the reason i would want to experience it again is just that sense of intoxication uh yeah like so the the new field uh the emerging field of ai uh is is as big a change like potentially as big a change um to the world as the internet was um but it but it's not intoxicating me in the same way it's not i'm not getting the same chills from it I, I'm, I'm not I'm getting I, different chills. <laughs> I, I'm not getting the exact same chills, but I have a similar feeling like this is obviously the future and we're all going to be doing this. And this is this is yeah. how things are going to be like. I have that same feeling, but I'm but I'm with you like the intoxication thing is different. And yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to know like how your kids would answer this, Jeff, because they've yeah. grown up always having access to the Internet. Like they my have, generation yeah. was the first where like we were, you know spent like our our formative years online but we did have a pre-demarcation like before the web and you know like after uh we 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 were you know young but we were we we had you know we had that demarcation thing and you know um people who are uh, younger than me don't have as much of that but still have some of it because wide broadband wasn't available but like you know, people your kids' yeah. age and your son's age and younger, like literally have never not it's not even that they just haven't always had the internet. They have they've always had broadband and they've, they've always, always had, had they've always had iPhones. That's what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. it's, it's whether it's, it was it's, ours or they're ultimately theirs. Right, right. So so that's that's a, a a different sort of thing, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because they they together um have have built a collection of old tech stepping backwards bit by bit. Until finally they have this like Windows 95 machine and there's so a DOS much. machine here. It's so good. And like when you, one thing that's I highly recommend doing it, I'm sure it can be done in an emulator, but I did this yesterday, just turning on a Windows 95 computer and reading how it talks to you. Yeah. Like 
Would you like to access the World Wide Web? An unlimited amount of electronic communication? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, click. Yeah, I want to get online, whatever. Just settle down. Um, And so they definitely have kind of, they almost seem to be seeking what that was like. But, you know, when I think about my first time on the internet, like I had been, I have been like a hunter gatherer researcher, almost like from my youngest age. Mm -hmm. And when I think about what it took me to find certain albums or bootlegs or magazine interviews, what it meant to be a fan, which we can talk about later um, in pre-internet, like that was a lot of goddamn work. It's like, it's like grandpa went to the mine every day. You know, (laughs) there was this, there was this weird thing for us too, because like we grew up in the era of 900 numbers where you would pay, you know, whether you wanted King's quest advice or someone to talk you through your lonely night, you were paying 25 to 50 cents a minute to get this. And then prodigy and CompuServe and AOL were all pay as you go services. And every time you Mm -hmm. connected your modem, you were thinking about, Oh God, I got to do this fast. I got to, I got, I got to get this done and get offline. Right. Um, because you're paying for every minute you're on there. You're, you're yes. paying for every minute. And, and again, like I, I, you know, cause I, cause I'm just enough younger that, that it, that it, it was different. Like it started to be, they started to offer the unlimited plans or more hours or whatnot. Um, and also modems were, were faster. Like my first, you know, modem, I think was a 14, four, um, uh, modem that we had, um, connected to the laptop, um, and, uh, the, the, that I bought like an external modem or something. And, um, it, granted my family was a little bit later at adopting this than people who were already on this in the eighties. But the difference too is like you were not only did you have to get on and get fast, but it was also because the speeds were so much slower. A lot of things were designed around like you downloading and getting off. Right. So like mm-hmm. the yeah. was that you would upload like your information, like you like, send your message or whatever, but you mm-hmm. would you know, download a bunch of stuff and then get offline. Yeah. And then you would check back the next day to get responses right. to your information. Exactly. Yeah. And and, well, and yeah. I and I even remember that, you know, with my Juno account, it was because it it wasn't webmail. It was like an actual application that had its own dialer that was different than like the huh. ISP dialer, right? So it was it was not a, a web thing. Like that wasn't until Hotmail. And so you would log in on this on this program that had like a free, you know, dial-in number. And that was one of the advantages of Juno. It was like free email. It was like one of the first ones. But you didn't have to have the corresponding, you know, AOL or Prodigy or whatever service. And so you'd log into that number and you'd download your mail um, or you'd stay connected to, you know, read other messages coming in and you'd write your stuff and you'd send it off. And then, and then, you know, you, you disconnect and, um, but you'd have to reconnect a bunch of times to, you know, throughout the day to, to check your mail, unless you, you know, were some fancy person who had like a separate phone line. Um, and, um, so it's a very different experience than, you know, always having access to stuff. Uh, but, but to your point, Jeff, like, yeah, for you as always being a hunter gatherer researcher type, like internet must have like blown your mind because I mean, I remember not well, but I do remember like, you know, using libraries before, like with card catalogs, I think public library had computerized systems, but you just think about how much research changed so quickly. Oh my God. Yeah. God. Yeah. Especially as someone who loves as a researcher now looking across things. Yep. Same. Like I was showing my boys a card catalog and I'm like, this is how, this is literally how you and they're like what I'm like yeah it's fucked up it's fucked up I, yeah yeah I, I remember having to go to like some of the better public libraries or having to go to some of the university public libraries to access 
certain things and even certain databases, right? Like yeah. I remember like like in elementary school, like making my mom take me to the University of Georgia um, libraries so that I could do research on certain things because they had better um, – like, uh, and I think I went to the Georgia State Library once too, but the the UGA one was uh, at the time was nicer, and to to you know go through like different research databases to be able to do something for a project because otherwise you know you'd have to go from like branch to branch to try yeah. to find all these books, yeah, and they didn't have stuff scanned in like newspaper. I mean, you know, they had microfiche, but it wasn't like it was you, but, we, but that was still like a per branch thing. Yeah, I mean, even yeah. in high school, I remember having to do some research. And because everything wasn't digitized, having to go to like a specific branch of the library that had every issue of like the New York Times and the Atlanta Journal Constitution and some other papers back to like the 1800s. Yeah. And having to go through the microfiche that microfiche. way. Microfiche. But having to um, do go to a specific branch because it wasn't all network connected. Right. 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 Which now is unfathomable. I'm like, okay, you might be still be seeing like a scanned copy of something and, and, or maybe poorly OCR and I'd prefer a scan, honestly, yeah. but, um, you know, you don't have to go to a specific library branch to do it. Right. Like mm-hmm. that, that's, mm-hmm. that's all gone. And, yeah. and you know, that's just 20 years ago. Totally. Totally. Um, can I answer my own question? Yes. Of course. Um, the first part's not the answer. So my mom worked in it from, you know, the sixties, really late sixties. She when she was, you know, she'd have nightmares that she was carrying the computer cards that were all collated in order yeah. and then she'd drop them all oh, and God. She'd wake up like sweating and screaming. Yeah, no my way. mom um, told me about the same nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> Which you can imagine because you look at like this, you're talking yeah. stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, anyway, yeah. So um, and in fact, just a, a quick like PC thing, like the reason we had a PC in our house is as PCs started to become more common in offices, for her to be able to get a job. She Kidding. had to be able to say, I know how to use a PC. Totally. You know? She had told me this story once, too, where uh, her office had just started bringing in PCs for the first time and, and nobody had used them or used mouses or anything like that. And a woman came into our office, one of the people in the office said, I can't get my mouse to work. Can you come into my office and, and tell me how? And she goes in and she was holding it on the wrong plane. She was like holding <laughs> it up like you're waving at someone yeah. and moving it around in the air. It's like you are way ahead of your time. Yeah, she yeah. was like, super ahead of her time. <laughs> that, le- that leads into, into one of my questions. We'll get there, though. Okay. So anyhow, I have put, I don't know if both of you are in Quip or not, but yep. I've put pictures of my first computer. Um which is an IBM System 3 room size computer. It was Oh my mine. god, that's amazing. It belonged it belonged to the magazine distributor Go for News, speaking of porn, that's how they made all their money. Uh-huh. Um and there is a little, you know, green and black screen in there and I used to play Hangman. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so and cool. And I would love I would love to be able to go back and experience it for the first time but uh, uh, as me now. <laughs> Just to be able to get in there and play around, play Hangman like see how much memory was in that room yeah. <laughs> um which i'll put i don't know if we can put images in the show notes can we i can put uh, one in yeah we can fit it in and that printer that's my mom my mom's oh, sitting next beautiful. to that my mom's sitting next to that printer look at the size of that printer that's, that's a printer she's Holy just shit. waiting for it to create if you look close it's it's like financial reports she's just waiting for it to finish <laughs> but i assume she's got to stay there because you never know if it's going to get all jammed up you know sure. what i mean oh totally um, totally and that was that was got i mean i don't even want to think about how many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars that printer was my god can you imagine can you imagine 
all the cook the books for a porn dealer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, I would love to go in that computer room. It was a false floor and underneath it were all the wires and there was venting down there. I used to sit on the floor and color and I could pop open one of those things. I mean, that whole room was the infrastructure of this one machine and all of its data. So anyway, I would love to just walk into that room and and play around. Yeah. One, One of my first apps that I ever wrote was Hangman in BASIC. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Who's next? Um, I have a question. Yes, go for it. All right. So I'm, I'm going to pick my last question first. If okay. you could pick, if you could imagine the perfect input device for a computer or for, for any, any platform, uh, you know, uh, keyboard, power glove, <laughs> ice, like glasses, like what, what, to you is the perfect input device uh, and how would it work in general terms? Uh, who wants we'll start to with start? Jeff. We'll start with Jeff. Okay. okay, I love this question because the answer surprised me. I had not previously had this answer. Uh, <laughs> I had not previously kind of like had this thought before. Um, so I, I'm a drummer. I, I drummed almost every day from eighth grade until I was about 24. Um, touring bands, like the whole thing. But I, I drummed nonstop. I loved it. Um, I loved how it felt. I loved how my brain worked. I loved that it was, I didn't have anything in the like knowledge world where, where that was nearly as effortless as drumming. Like I, I would love to be able to do certain things like computer programming, something as effortlessly as I did drumming. Didn't have to so, think. So like a leap motion. So basically not uh, here's, here's the thing. I'm, I'm t- it's like between two things. One is like, it all depends. So, it would somehow, um, it would all be based on specific rhythms, like some quick thing, like whether it's like the rhythm of a fill or, you know, two time signatures, you know, like my one hand's doing one and other hand's doing the other or something. Cause like, I am terrible at remembering keyboard shortcuts, but if I could just be like, oh yeah, no, that's the opening, uh, to, to immigrant song, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just once boom, that's your, so- you know. That fo- that opens my browser. I just want um, to point out. I love that. I just want to point out that um, keyboard maestro accepts MIDI inputs. Oh, uh, so with like an old like Roland drum machine and yeah. a bunch of piezo triggers. Yes, you could have a drum <laughs> input. Or even I have this. I have that one of these little um, keyboards in my closet here, just like certain harmonies or something, right? Yeah. Like a mm-hmm. chord. I a actually, chord I, I played around with that a while, like having different chords. Of course you did. Different <laughs> chords. Did. Well, because I mean, keyboard shortcuts, you're learning chords. Like, that's true. Like control yeah, shift, true. op delete, like that, like that's a chord. That's a yep. two handed chord. Uh, but yeah, like you are creating chords. So I figured I've got a 24 key MIDI keyboard in front of me what you know what could c minor do right. what could what could an a7 like w- how could i uh so, like trigger just with like just keyboard literally like piano keyboard chords that's and that's it. actually a brilliant way to maybe teach somebody music like somebody who like has a, a different like yes like 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 i i know music primarily by ear and um and i was able to kind of like fake it enough to to um like read music at least for for voice stuff, um, and and play a little bit of piano. But my problem is is that I primarily am, am a by ear person. But like that would be I I could learn music that way. Like 
yeah, you know, kind of reverse engineering things like, okay, you know, this is, this is what you do to, to get like, you know, this chord will correspond with this shortcut. Like that, that would totally, that would totally <laughs> a, be how I would For a lose. very specific personality type. 100%. Yes. But I don't think I'm going to, I mean, it'd be specific. I'm, I'm, it's niche. I'm not trying to claim it's the broad, broad approach, <laughs> but, but I also don't think that it's quite as small as, as you would think. Like, I think there are a lot of people who are like, oh no, if I could see this and, you know, have this because, you know, music is mathematical, but like if I could have it framed in this way versus this way, I, th- I think a lot of people would probably be able to understand yeah. like notation better. If all That's those awesome. Photoshop users who had learned all the keyboard shortcuts, who who could hit command shift option S uh, to save a JPEG without thinking twice about it, realize that those skills could translate to making music. Yeah, totally. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, no. I, mean, I I wonder if there's like a high correlation between people who are really good at piano, um, or really good at certain guitar work, and people who are really good at you know certain like ridiculous keyboard things. Like just in yeah. terms of people who do both. Like I wonder if there's a like if you have people who are you know do both of those things. The people who are really like you know people who both um, dabble in Photoshop or whatever play music. If the people who are really skilled at the shortcut that would be, stuff, I'd be curious. Good, that would be interesting to look at. But totally. That, that's a, that's fascinating. Yeah, I'll get us a grant. We'll study that. I mean, oh, we yeah. should get a grant. What we should, should we get? A bunch of grants. Oh my god, we could have an o- retired pod pod the, the grant the grant funded podcast. Honestly, yeah. we got our internet internet history grant. We got our yeah. emerging uh, technologies grant. <laughs> All right, Christina, what's your what's your answer? Uh, I think that, and it's so interesting what you say about the drumming because a I wish I could drum, but I can't do the I can't keep a different um, a rhythm on one hand and the other. I've tried my whole life, and I I can't do that. Like I can't like have like a consistent like pattern. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. T- one 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 thing on one hand, one on the other. Um, I think, I mean, mouse and keyboard is pretty great, but like touch input is also great. Like part of me thinks that what they showed off in Minority Report. Mm-hmm. which was just a little bit too ahead of its time in some ways, but dead on in some others, I think was really good because it got the touch aspect of what we were going to see with multi-touch on the iPhone. But it was um, rather than on a, on a you know physical device, it was kind of in the air. And in 3D space. In, yes. in 3D space. And yeah. I think that that whole concept makes tons of sense. Uh, I still do. And so I, I, I do feel like I think kind of, as much as I love like my mouse and keyboard, I really do think that kind of like the pinnacle of kind of a perfect input is is touch here's the thing yeah did you ever have a leap motion um no but it i was like a, I, a little, I, 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 little I did, lidar I did review, yeah I did, I did review it though yeah so i, I didn't have I like, ha- a full-time one but yeah i had one and i set up like i could read through all my rss feeds just using hand motions yeah uh while i was walking on my walking desk treadmill and i could just like yeah, you know, nice. wave, wave to the next article, scroll up and down with two fingers. My arms got real tired, real that, fast. That's that's what they uh, that's what they said in Minority Report is that they had to do <laughs> like that. That was the biggest problem. In that film, it was it was doubly a problem because they had to make the movements even bigger to be a, yeah. appear on film. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, but like Steve Harris and and Tom Cruise and other people, like their arms apparently like yeah. got real sore. It's exhausting. Yeah, I mean. Like the effort that you put into a keyboard that you, most people don't even have to look down at. Right. Um, you know, and then your trackpad or your trackball or your mouse, 
um, that you can you know where it is on your desk. You don't have to look down. There's just these minor elbow and wrist movements to do it all. Um, like that well, seems, I agree. Well, th- well, that, that's why I, I'm not saying that I was saying touch, like, like touch like yeah. that on a phone or an iPad. Yeah. Have you ever, ha- you've used like a surface, right? Yeah. Um, do you find scrolling the screen using touch to be superior to scrolling with like a trackpad? Yes. Okay. Significantly so. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't like, I've used an iPad, but not as like, as a computing surface, really. Right. And more um, as a a media consumption device. I mean, that's primarily how I use it too, but I will say, and and the iPad is also weird because they, they try to kind of be this weird mishmash between the two and it kind Mm -hmm. of doesn't really succeed. Um, And uh, whereas like the surface, what's interesting about it is I don't use touch on a lot of other things, but, but scrolling, scrolling, it is significantly better. Now I will say it's usually faster to use a trackpad. Yeah. But there are also times when it's not where I'm just like, oh, I really quickly need to just get to the bottom of a page. And, you know, just being able to flick up on the screen is significantly better. Or zooming in is another area where it's just so much better um, to be able to pinpoint that exact place that I need to zoom in on. Um, I mean, you know, the magic trackpad goes a long way with that, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's still not as good. Um, So, I mean, I feel like, uh, Stylus sometimes I think is great because like like a, like Apple Pencil um, or a Wacom because you can again get really granular with things and and really kind of like annotate on stuff. But I don't know. I think I feel like touch. I, I think this is why the iPhone worked because capacitive touch is the thing. Like we'd all used the um, uh, resistive touch screens on like the you know Palm Pilot and yeah. um, you know the the, the, the trio I, and that I shit. Had a- I had an 800 by 600 uh, capacitive touchscreen that I use for home automation. The thing, so the screen is 800 by 600, but it was like two feet deep and and went out an additional three inches on each side with like perforated steel right. that I mounted in the wall so I could have wow. a touchscreen for when home automation. This, this would have been ago? like 90, no, I guess it it would have been like 99. Wow. But uh, 99, 2000, but um, like I was buying ancient tech at that point. This this was from an airport terminal. Uh, the the device I bought was like a scrap from an airport terminal where you had oh, had wow. like touch, touch. Oh, yeah. Screen okay. Checkout. OK. Yeah. Yeah. To like check into the airport. Yeah. I yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and anyway. we all know. Well, well, even to this day, we still know how bad some of those systems are, right? Like they're not all like <laughs> so the same way, right? Completely inaccurate. Yeah. Like, like even like yeah. in um um uh, maybe check in is better. I, I don't check in at the airport, but um like definitely <laughs> the the um screens, you know, for the in um uh you know in seat entertainment. Um, if, if you don't yeah. have like the latest yes. plane, like like I've I've more than once had an experience where it's just been off enough that I haven't been able to like actually watch anything in the seat and i'm like in first class and i'm like <laughs> this is why we all have to bring our ipads because i the the the, the transistive touch doesn't work but a capacitive touch like i that's why the iphone is such a game changer you know so looking at my setup where i'm sitting right now uh, i have two 32 30 32 inch displays that i can't reach like mm-hmm. I hold my arm out straight from where I am. I can't, I can't touch these screens. Don't want to. Sure. Um, my trackpad works great. I could see if I had like a leap motion and I could yep. just 
pretend to touch the screen and get accurate results from it. Totally. If I could just point at something and move it around the screen. I could see that being uh, a useful interaction. Do you want to hear my answer to this question? Oh, we have to. Neuralink. Um, yeah. Like, okay. I, I was. I was. I was actually kind of thinking this too. This was. This like, was going to be like one of my like futuristic answers. Go on. No. Yes. No. No props to Elon, but if we're imagining the perfect human interface device, I want to think shit yeah. and have it happen. Um, totally. I don't know. I don't know how it wor work. That's why I said in, in general terms in the question, because there are so many questions like like they have uh, four disabled users. They have eye tracking devices, yeah, which is amazing, which was so it's, which is incredible. Huge, it's huge, but not terribly convenient. Like right. you would do better using your hands if you sure. had that option. Um, for, for people who don't have that option, amazing technology. Well, and it certainly results in eye strain in, in ways mm -hmm. that like, because people who, um, don't have those options, it's amazing how quickly they can do stuff. Like it's unreal, yeah. but, but, you know, but it leads to the genuine eye strain and, and other stuff. Whereas yeah, just being able to think it. Just imagine how, what Stephen Hawking could have done. Yeah. If he could interface directly with his brain instead of the assistive technologies he was forced to use later in life. Um, like, I, I, I don't know how it works. I, I don't, but I just want to control things with my brain. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be Elon, but like, it's going to well, happen. I, I bring up, I bring up Elon. Because oh, I know, had, I know, because Neuralink. Like no, I know. Neuralink, I, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just saying, like, I, you know, I look. We all hate him, but he's not <laughs> like some of the stuff that he's invested in and, and the ideas he have are not bad at all. And and they're going to do it. I mean, from what I understand, and and uh, the two of you might have more information than me, but from what I understand, is they basically, I think the idea would be you could kind of take like brainwaves from MRIs, types of things, and they're able to map that to. I guess certain actions or or certain functions and kind of you know uh, they yeah. find they find patterns there and so they would yeah. be able to infer basically from those wave things and kind of program things in that regard saying okay if we if we get this sort of signal then this is what we're going to be doing so it's not again I think this is where like the AI stuff becomes really interesting because that could potentially speed up the processing of all of those like brain scans, right. And, and looking at the patterns and maybe figuring mm -hmm. stuff out like that would automate that a lot more than you could, you know, in a, in a, um, a like a manual kind of way. Um, I don't know. I, th I think we might have something like that in our lifetime. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I it would be exciting. Yeah. Just as you, right. When you're like, can I tell you mine? <laughs> and I, and you hadn't said Neuralink yet. I had this thought at the exact same time as you said, Neuralink, where I'm like, the clapper, <laughs> which is like yes. exactly why I am not you. Um, but I was like, but, but that, and that works great. But what if you had like, like you're, you're the choir teacher and you have like, um, update website, right? Yeah. Just, that's the pattern. And then the, your bunch fires, yeah. you know, and you're updating your website. See? No, that yeah. would be genius. That would be, and honestly, yeah. that would be a lot more doable than than the Neuralink thing, right? Well, that's what it, I'm thinking. I, I think we can get funding for that right away. I totally think we can get funding for like a, a, it's, it's like a clapper meets like a voice assist thing, and, and that goes along with with with, with your uh, perfect thing, well, Jeff, of being kind of like the rhythm based. Yes, right. Yeah, I mean, so like four years before Siri existed, Mac OS had, I can't remember what they called it, but they had voice commands. You could. Yeah. record your voice saying a command 
and then have your computer listen for it and execute. It was in the system technology. Um, I, I feel like you could record beats with that. Yeah, I think you could also do that with like an Arduino or something. I, yeah. I think I, I'll have to look it up. I bet somebody's done that. Sure. I, I like that even better, though. I'm going to I'm going to read our our sponsor read for the week. Sure. Um, Before we get let Christina ask her uh, first interview question. Our sponsor Collide, K-O-L-I-D-E, has some big news. If you're an Okta user, they can get they can get your entire fleet to 100 percent compliance. How you ask if a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide Patch is one of the major holes in zero trust architecture, device compliance. Without Collide, IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Unsecure devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication, and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit collide.com overtired, that's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash overtired, to learn, more, to learn more or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D e.com slash overtired all right christina (laughs) all right so if you could do anything in the world as a job like what would it be and why and and kind of an add-on follow-up to this that you can add on as you're answering this like what has stopped you from trying to do this oh i have the answer for this yeah all right you, you, you go first Deep sea marine biologist. Okay. Um, Like it is out of all of the jobs I've learned about in my life. The one that has intrigued me the most and that I thought I could really just fucking dive into, no pun intended, (laughs) um, is deep sea marine biologist because the deep sea contains such weird things and it's so overall unexplored that it would it'd be like being an astronaut but underwater uh what's kept me from doing this is i i don't think i could get through the schooling um like i i i'm not good at chemistry and biology and at least in a school setting like these things i understand in a general sense but um and i also i'm claustrophobic and like submarines don't really appeal to me. So <laughs> all things being, uh, if, if, if I could take care of those issues, I think that would be just a, a very fulfilling career. Uh, but there are some major blocks for me. <laughs> oh my God. I, my, my stepmom's father, uh, was not in a submarine, but he was in a battleship at world war two. Yeah. He was in the boy he was in the boiler room. Upside of being in the boiler room, he would take coins and melt them on the boiler and turn Jesus. them in, turn them into naked lady rings that he would sell. <laughs> um downside, he he is told from the be- beginning anything goes wrong in this ship, your little space gets sealed off and you die. Yep. Like you are not coming out of there. 
Yeah. Everyone else may survive, but you are not. I had an uncle who worked on a nuclear submarine for a good portion of his naval career. Um, And, and he was kind of in the same boat, like uh, you're, you're, you're same boat, huh? (laughs) I'm so full of puns unintentionally, (laughs) unintentional puns, but like, yeah, um, you you go about you go about your business, you do your job, but if something goes wrong, probably outside of your control, you are gonna die. Like this is right. a seal, this is a coffin underwater, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're going down. <sighs> um, my answer to that is, I think I think I know my answer, uh, but I'm so worried I'm not I'm not thinking of something. But I um, I had a, a family distant family member from Norway, a sculptor was in town this week to unveil like this very large sculpture uh that's now in minneapolis and he was describing the work it took to make the sculpture and and how you know it was a year and a half of just kind of a bunch of people hammering on this thing this metal to bend this metal just so whatever else and like but it was like a year and a half of like this very specific act and uh had another friend that came in town that has a uh uh, survey at the Walker Art Museum, this artist Paul Chan, and Paul makes these things called breathers. And it's like, if you imagine those like gas station guys that yeah. with the wavy yeah, arms, yeah. you know, he he figured out a way to make them into different types of figures that are actually kind of oddly moving to look at. Um, <laughs> but it, they're literally inspired by those goopy things, but they end up being really serious um, and, and just kind of uh, just amazing. And and he to do that he learned sewing um he learned fabrics and and he spent you know day after day after day making a shape how does it move that's not what i'm looking for i'm going to fix it here and so i would love to be an artist that works with like physical mediums because yeah. i think that one of the things for me that was not ingrained in me having not gone to college was that sometimes to get a thing done it just takes this like day after day of like tiny steps that don't look like anything. Right. And that was never ingrained in me. And so I've always, I've always hustled in a way to get things done. Even when I'm, even when I'm getting them done very slowly, I feel like I'm hustling to get them done because it's supposed to look like something or something. I think I just Mm -hmm. never got that, that piece. Plus it's probably also personality, whatever, but like, I am so blown away when I, when I realize that like a researcher just spent a year and a half reading one document after another, after another, and they could not come to this like grand conclusion had they not spent that year reading these documents. Like yeah. I just, I want so to is, do something that takes advantage of that, that style of working. Is part of the appeal though, that they are short term, that they are finite. Like you can dedicate all of that time and energy, but you know, it has, it's not the rest of your life. It's a year yep. and a half. And and you can use your creativity and problem solving and and really dig into working with your hands. Yeah. But with but with a final goal. That, totally. Like, so in the case of the art, point. in the case of the art, that's totally it. Cause like I can't just do the same thing forever, right? I don't yeah. want to be the person you hire who's always hired to hammer on things. Yeah. Right. Like I don't want right. to be that person. <laughs> you know, I want to be, I want to have the vision, be working on it, get like, it done, next thing. That's what's appealing to me about being a craftsman as well. Like I've often thought woodworking would be a fun pursuit and like someone hires you to build something. Yeah. And and you have a couple weeks where you use your know-how, you use your creativity 
and you're building something. And when it's done, you get paid and you move on to something new. And mm-hmm. for my ADHD brain, Perfect. that sounds very appealing. Totally. Um, like I went to art school. We uh, we would get usually like in a 3D class, in a in a metals class or in a 3D sculpture class, we would usually create like two pieces for the semester. And you would dedicate hundreds of hours to yeah. building one thing. And you should have an idea what it was going to be when it was done, when you started, but you don't always. Uh, but you really, you get to go to sleep at night thinking about how you're going to contribute to this finite object the next day. And and that that worked for me. That worked well with That's my brain. Put. Way yeah. better than going to a university ever did. I like that. Yeah. Christina, I'm very excited to hear your answer. So it's kind of boring in, in comparison to these. So it's it's like a cross between two. Like one would be like a talk show host slash like <laughs> news anchor. Um, yeah. And uh, and the other would be like being like a a, a television showrunner, like like mm, you know yeah like, like being a, a writer creator of my own um uh, yeah TV show and um. I guess what stopped me from, well, the, the writer creator thing is honestly a lot of atmosphere and, and and not being in Los Angeles and and being willing to kind of take the chances you'd need to do, to do that sort of thing. Um, the anchor thing, like I, I've been on TV a lot and I've, I've definitely hosted a lot of things, um, for, for Microsoft and now for GitHub. And I hope that continues and, and I'm really good at it. And I obviously do podcasts. Um, but I, it was a weird thing where to do, to get the on-air jobs, like if you really want them, I did have an interview with CNBC and I blew it and it sucked and that is what it is. Uh, mm. but, um, it typically like you have to kind of start, you know, the very low paying jobs at the local news stations and then kind of work your way up. And when I was starting out in journalism, I was getting paid double what you would get get paid the local news stations to do that. And I just was unwilling yeah. to, to take the, like the monetary cost, like the, like the cut that would be necessary to kind of go through those steps to be totally honest. Mm-hmm. Like that's, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I was hoping that, Oh, you know, if I'm good enough you know, on camera that I'll continue to get invited back and maybe that'll lead to something. And that can for some people, but you typically have to go viral in like a certain way. And, and uh, for, things that I wouldn't necessarily be comfortable going viral for. Like you've got to be like a Tommy Lahren <laughs> or someone. And then they don't end, yeah. end up becoming good um, hosts most of the time. Right. So um, one, like I think that those would be the two things that I would, I would love to do like all things. Like if I could just like snap my fingers and be like, Oh, you know what would I do every day? One would be like running like my own TV show because I have a lot of ideas for things. Uh, and then the other would be just like, Yeah. I would love like having like a daily like a newscast talk show whatever. Let me yeah. be Kelly Ripa. That would be fun. Yeah. You would awesome. be you would be an amazing host. I just got to say. Totally. Totally. Like your your depth of knowledge of <laughs> any fucking topic. Like yeah. you could you could get answers out of people. You'd you would be the John Stewart of any tech talk show. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, my my goal and 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 this is why it sucks so much that I blew and it was my own fault that I blew the CNBC interview was that like I'd always wanted to be the Aaron Burnett of tech because what she did for 
finance stuff when, when she was in finance. And then she parlayed that into getting her more general news thing on um, CNN. But what she did for uh, financial news and reporting on uh, CNBC, I would look at that. And I was like, I could do that for tech. Because <laughs> no one yeah. to this day, and this is what's frustrating, like uh, we're now like uh, it's been more than a decade since I kind of had like that, you know, kind of a brainwave or, or thought or whatnot. It's been well more than a decade. Like, nobody's done that. Like for whatever reason, as, as big of a topic as this tech is, there aren't like tech TV went off the air a billion years ago, but there mm-hmm. aren't like tech focused, like you have segments on, on these news shows, but you don't have anybody who like, that's just the whole thing they talk about. And, uh, right. and I think it's because it, it's a hard mix to find somebody who can talk to a general public and bring on experts and ask questions and have the skills that are needed to actually understand what they're talking about. I think it's just a hard mix is, is all so, I can guess that, that, or there's just not an audience interest that could, that could be the other thing. So would you want to be talk show slash showrunner now or in this hypothetical scenario, would you want to do it 10 years ago? I would totally do it now, but it would obviously would be, it would have been better to do it 10 years ago. <laughs> okay. Easier like, like, perhaps. I don't know if it's easier, but yeah, it would be easier to, to break into it for sure 10 years ago. But, yeah. uh, but I would totally still do it now. Like, if somebody right. wanted to call me up and be like, hey, do this for, for, for you know, us every day and we'll pay you really well for it. And you can make living off of it. I'd be like, absolutely. Hell yeah. Yeah. I want to hear. Show, the show running thing, I would still like in any age that would be still. Oh, well, he, like dream. right now to me right now, the the television landscape um this is the ideal time to be a showrunner better than any Agreed. time in history uh Agreed. tv is breaking ground that fascinates me like i this is the first time in in my lifetime that i've paid close attention to who the showrunner for a show is because right. i watched the show and i'm like who 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 put this together who is in charge of this uh, showrunner has actually become like a real um, yeah. part it's, of television yes. for me. It has. Yeah, no, it, it, it's so interesting, kind of the rise of, of that. And uh, my friend Catherine, um, she's one of my best friends. She wrote an amazing article for um, Vice last year that went viral. And it was funny because it had originally, I don't know if I can share this. No, I'll share it. It had originally been pitched to another outlet who winded up spiking it and like paying the kill fee. And then um, it went to Vice and it did gangbusters and has had like some actual impactful changes on the industry where she wrote about how like television is having a show running crisis. And um, because. Oh, I remember this. That was a great uh, article. Yeah, because she'd interviewed um like just so many people it, it she was in the process of writing that i think she started like basically right as as covid was kind of uh kicking off and so it was it, it was probably 18 months of, of work that kind of went into this because um she works at the eff now but it's it's just this incredible article and you're right brett that like we care more about the showrunner than ever but it's it's equally true that a lot of people are getting thrown into that role who have no experience and aren't being mentored sure. well and are, yeah. you know, it, it's all these things. And so I think that to that point, like it becomes even more important than ever to have like a good showrunner because yeah. there's like a massive difference and you see it in the quality yeah. of the shows, right? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's really interesting, but yeah, Catherine's, uh, Catherine's article on that was just, uh, such an awesome thing. 
Um, and, and when I read it, it was funny because I was like, oh, so so showrunning is just like PMing. Like that's that's <laughs> yeah yeah like, right right right. That's exactly what it is. And and yeah. and, and I, was, I was drawing all these parallels between like software development and showrunning. I was like, that would be an interesting article that five people would really like. But I might write. <laughs> sure. I, I might write it someday anyway. That's awesome. So I want. I kind of want to hear the the follow up answer from Jeff. What? Why? What stopped yes. you? from this career this art artist career yeah um it's only a it's only a recent like in the last five years uh it's only a recent kind of epiphany that um you can do that kind of thing and of course you can't just do that kind of thing right right um it's like it takes a lot to make money doing that kind of thing but um i don't know i would say fear probably because i've had ideas over the years and of things I'd like to do. And I like, I weld and I, I am handy with all sorts of tools and everything. So it's like, I have the, I have the skills to kind of fabricate something. If, if, um, if I had an idea that I loved and, and felt like sort of bold enough to, to seek some money for, um, but I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just fear probably, but also just recency. Like I just, I, honestly, it was two nights ago that I went to this family member, this Norwegian sculptors thing. And he talked, to me about the whole process and i was just like god damn you, i would like to do something like this that was my I, job but like as a, as a side hustle you know what i could see you doing is um art in public spaces that benefited people yes um, art, mm. art art installations for the unhoused um mm. you you did like the the water stations the hand washing stations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like you could make that into public art that I could totally see you doing that. I could totally see you being an activist artist working in 3D, working with all the skills you have. All right, Jeff. Me too. Well, it's a career change. The funny thing about that is when... Go ahead, Christina. No, I was just going to say, I could see you doing that. In addition to like doing like the public art thing, I could even see you like making it a nonprofit thing, like having a public art space, right? Yeah. Where in addition to you having it be like the yeah, yeah, in addition to being kind of a gallery for your work that you're doing, it could also be a space for um, you know, like um underrepresented groups um to to come and and either appreciate the art or or create their own. Sorry, go on, Jeff. I think that would be fun. I was thinking about that yesterday when I was touring this university with my son and all of the resources they had, and you could like, you know, you could check out a 3D printer and bring it to your room or whatever. It was kind of cool. Um no, I was going to say with the so what Brett's referring to is during the early days of the pandemic, um, uh, there were a lot of um, unhoused people in like kind of little mini tent cities in Minneapolis. They were popping up everywhere, and um, there was nowhere to wash your hands. And this was when we were all freaking out about washing our hands. And so I looked at a bunch of designs online for like um, like foot pump hand washing stations where you can get some kind of water flow and some drainage. Um, and I ended up. <laughs> The funny thing about this is why I'm bringing it up is I could have just, it's two five gallon buckets basically. Right. <laughs> um, and I could have made it just that, but I, I really wanted it to be beautiful. And so it had um, like, it had like a um, stainless steel bowl uh, and an actual drain, like sink drain. So that it just didn't seem like something throwing off on people. Ah, oh, they're homeless. Here you go. You'll figure it out. Here's a bucket. Um, yeah. Here's a bucket. And then I remember I even like, <laughs> I, it had said hand washing station on it. I, I bought two like fleet farm white buckets 
that were extra large. And then I spray painted the the logo over. So it was an all white bucket. And then I got, I used the JetBrains yep. Jet spot, <laughs> which I loved. And it's, in, and it's in this blue and I use it with my cricket, which is what usually use middle-aged yep. ladies making wedding Im- invitations. And, it, and I kind of hand-washing, said hand-washing station. I love the cricket. <laughs> and so I just found a picture of it the other day and I'm like, God, it's beautiful. And I wanted it to be beautiful. And so I'm, anyhow, it's funny you're saying that thing about that mix of like some kind of social purpose and, um, and art, but I ended up kind of forcing that onto this hand washing station <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get you some grants that's right absolutely it's gonna be a, like your side your, your side project is gonna be grant writing <laughs> and and public art that's right all right awesome so well we got through one round of questions in this yep. first in this first episode um i think uh i think we we call it here Yep. And then and then continue. We we all wrote down three or four questions, but I think we're yep. going to make this a two episode series. So we'll see what we get through next time. In the Sounds meantime, great. this has been a lot of fun. Thanks, you guys. Yeah. Super Thank fun. you. I love this. Get some sleep. Get some sleep, but not too much because we've got to start recording again. <laughs> exactly. Get some <laughs> sleep, but, you know, just enough. The system is going down low. Hey there, good people. Before you go, we have a bunch of new places where you can interact with us. Please check out our Instagram feed, our YouTube channel, Twitter, of course, and sign up for the Overtired newsletter, which will sort of pick up where the show leaves off with expanded show notes, uh, a little bit of what the three of us get up to between episodes. And let's face it, there'll be some musings. How can you resist musings? You'll find details for all the ways to interact with us in the show notes and at overtired.com. And thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, for listening.